Close your eyes with me. Father, how we love you. How we welcome you into this place. Holy Ghost, we commit this service to you. God, I ask you in Jesus' name to stir the hunger of every person under the sound of my voice. That God, we didn't come to hear about you today. God, we came to receive from your hand today in Jesus' name. We commit this service to you for your glory. Let it be everything that you said it can be. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, a lady named Jenny Riddle wrote that song, Revelation song, because she wanted to honor the worship that's going on in heaven. That without end, literally without end, they sing a song around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that's the one that we've come to celebrate today. But it's not the one that we've come just to talk about. It's not the one that we just came to quote. It's the one that we came to actually receive from here this morning. Hallelujah. And I just had some things from God. I asked Pastor Will if maybe I could open up to just kind of prime the pump. Hallelujah. You know, all over this planet on Sunday morning, millions of churches will meet. But what that meeting looks like, it will look far different. There will be churches where men will stand up in great regalia and they'll wave little things full of incense and they'll talk about a God that lived thousands of years ago but has no real relevance to their life today. And then there's other places, most of them smaller, where they'll talk about a God that they have to cling to for their very breath. They have to cling to for their next meal. And they will so draw down on His presence that the building will shake Physically shake under the power of God. We can have any kind of meeting we want to in a VFW hall. There's something about God. He lets us choose how much of Him we want. He lets us choose what should Sunday morning look like. And it's not on the man of God. There's not a man of God anywhere that doesn't want more of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in their midst. It's really the people. Amen. And I'm privileged to be with the great people of Grace and Truth Church this morning. Amen. But if you'll stir your hunger, if you'll put a demand on the anointing of the Holy Ghost, your week, your month, your year, your life will look different. Amen. I've been praying this week for the church. I've been here on assignment. And I've been praying for grace and truth this week. And I felt to take a couple minutes and challenge you with something this morning. And I didn't come to preach. I came to stir. But you put me in front of people and the preach comes out. But I came to stir. The Holy Ghost has been challenging me with the question for grace and truth. And I'm going to give it to you. And it's either going to bounce off the back wall because nobody gets it. Or it's going to like swish. It's going to land deep in your heart. The Holy Ghost said this. For grace and truth. For the people here this morning. Hey, if you're watching on the podcast, 
you to participate. This is really for you who are physically here. What could your life be if you would just simply believe God and what He says? With no place for fear and no place for small thinking. What could my life be? That's what I heard the Lord challenge you. And I've been rehearsing this over and over this week. Because anything I hear from God, I apply it here first before it ever gets to come out here. That's the way this thing's work when you're a preacher. Sometimes God will make you choose something for months before you can ever share it. But what could your life be if you would just simply agree with God with what He says you're supposed to be and have and do and become and there was no place for fear and there was no place for small thinking. Well, brothers and sisters, you'd be in a completely different place than you are now. We would physically be in a completely different place than we are now. And I've been letting this thing just reverberate over on the inside of me. I told y'all last week, I drove 70 plus miles in a rainstorm to get here last Sunday morning. I was provoked. I had to come. And I was believing God for some big things. Well, they happened this week. They happened this week. And it, and it takes people off when you talk like this, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you what happened. My wife and I have been singing for the last two weeks this old song from the 70s, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. So I drove here in the rainstorm. I got in last week, and Pastor Will, that's what he's preaching on. I didn't know that. And I texted my wife and I said, honey, I'm at the right place at the right time. God has supernaturally confirmed to me the need is met. Everything's going to come in. And we're believing God for some massive things. Amen. So a couple of months ago, we're walking into this new phase of ministry. And I need a ton of money to make it happen. There's only one problem. I don't have it in my hand. I need it, but I don't have it in my hand. I have an instruction from God, but I don't have the provision. Have you ever been there? Anybody live there? (laughs) Shouldn't. A couple months ago, um, I did a a call, and kind of irritating. That happens sometimes. Kind of irritating. There's a little theme in this story I'm going to tell you. A friend of mine says, hey, I want you to drive out and have coffee with me. He had fl- flown into to, uh, Orlando. It's about an hour and a half from where I live in Tampa. And I said, man, I would love to see you. But I'm thinking, man, an hour and a half to go have coffee. And I love him dearly. It's a long drive. I get there, and that's fine. And it's $40 for parking to go inside to be there for an hour. And I'm just irritated. But I've already driven an hour and a half. I'm not going to go park a couple miles away. Right? I don't live in a spirit of poverty, but I am irritated that everything Disney touches, just they, they add zeros to whatever things it cost. And that's fine. God has plenty of money, but I'm irritated. I sit down with him, and I'm just ministering to him. The Lord drops a prophetic word for me. I, I give him a word. I said, well, God, that's why you had me drive an hour and a half. I've told you that I'm a vessel in your hand anytime, anywhere, any place. 
no problem. As I'm getting up to leave, he said, oh, by the way, the Lord told me to give this to you. And it was a check for $10,000 that I needed. I needed $10,000. Now, that was about half of what I needed. And so I came here needing another ten grand above every other obligation we have personally, above every, every obligation we have in the ministry. I needed $10,000. I had just gotten notice before I flew out here that the largest partner in our ministry, who's a wealthy businessman, he started partnering with us when he made $50,000 a year. Last year, his personal income from his company was $2 million. And he's a faithful partner of our ministry. He called and said, hey, I've sold my company. I'm no longer going to be giving like I was. I just wanted to let you know. Well, I mean, fine. You know, that's okay. I mean, God, God will take care of that. But it does impact you. When we've been going along now for a few years and we have entire operations overseas that are completely underwritten because of this company and their support. And now it's no longer going to be there. So this last week, so I come here on the plane and we're believing God. You respond to need, not by talking the problem. You respond to problems by talking the word. And he is El Shaddai, the full breasted one who his supply never runs out. You know, I've got missionaries in India where the, the mamas go to bed and they have babies, but all their breast milk dries up because they have no nutrition. We feed as many of them as we can. But God, his breast milk never dries up. The nourishment never, never ends. So I come here last week and I've got all of these things going. I mean, I've got a $100,000 studio project we're doing for the ministry that we're literally paying as the cash comes in. Every single week. We've never mentioned it. We've never raised a special offering. We don't operate that way. We are believing God every single week. And everything that comes in, we're building. Everything that comes in, we're building. We need this camera. We never say, oh, that's too expensive. We just say, we're getting you. We'll add you to the wish list. We'll add you to the cart. I got stuff that's been sitting in the cart in B&H photo for like three months. So this last week, um, I come here last Sunday, and I'm actually like on, I'm supposed to be on vacation, okay? Supposed to be on vacation, but I have a twin brother, and he bought this old historic mansion down in Galveston, and he's turning it into a hotel. It's like a $2 million project, and I came down this week just to help my twin brother. Now, I'm not swinging a hammer. I'm not cutting wood. I'm not good at those things. I came to help him in things that I can do, like technology stuff and marketing stuff. But as I'm there, they're doing all this construction, and there's something in the dust of this 130-year-old mansion that I rub in my eyes. And my, even today, my eyes are all broken out, and I mean, I just, I look like a mutant, you know, and I'm allergic to something that's going on on this building site, and I'm irritated. Because here I am trying to give him my time, and my eyes are just constantly burning. I miss my family. I'm honestly, I'm in a bad mood. I'm sneezing constantly because of this really fine construction dust that's going on. Who knows what all that is? I don't think it's mold or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're, we're blessing Pastor Will and his wife with a stay. They'll be the first man of God that stays there when it's all open. So it doesn't have mold or anything, Will. <laughs> that morning, that morning, I'm walking into Walgreens, and I'm actually looking for some eye flush 
to flush out my eyes, thinking, man, I am just do not like the way this feels at all. And as I'm walking in the front door of the Walgreens, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm in my own world. I'm walking, and I just step over a homeless person and don't give it a thought. Go into the Walgreens, do my business. I, I'm literally just thinking, man, it is going to feel so good if I could rinse all this stuff out of my eyes. I walk back over the homeless person, and I'm going to hit the little button on my car handle, and the Holy Ghost says, Stop! And then I spent the next 30 minutes ministering to this homeless person. Telling them about the Lord. Going and buying them blankets. Going and buying them food. Did, making sure they know where the locust shelter. I mean, I stopped everything and ministered to this homeless person. Well, that person like disappeared. I went back to look for them. They had had an entire encampment set up. I was actually going to say, I'm going to put you in my car. It's going to be like 40 degrees down in Galveston. I'm going to put you in my car and just take you to the shelter. I went back to find them. Gone. Now, I'm not saying that it was an angel. But I'm not not saying that it wasn't an angel. But I know that as I went to put my hand on my door to get in my nice warm car, the Lord said, stop. Tell her about me. So I did. David, the last 50 bucks, I had $50 cash Went and got her a blanket, got the cash, got her money for food. Did everything that I could do in that setting. Okay? You with me, right? I did a phone call that day. A friend says, I heard that you're in town and I want to come by and see you. Can y'all see where this story is going? I, I go in. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little irritated. I wish I was like in the spirit. I was not. My eyes are burning. I'm irritated. I miss my family. It is freezing cold. Y'all, I was raised in Houston my first 19 years, but now I've been in Florida for a while. I've gotten soft. It's so cold here. What are y'all doing, Houston? I walked into this meeting, and I'm telling you the last thing I was thinking about was El Shaddai. I was thinking about burning eyes, running nose, cold, wishing I'd bought a warmer hat for my head. I walked into that meeting. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking to my old friend. It's so good to see you. And I'm showing him the property. He goes, by the way, this was on Thursday morning. By the way, I was at my home church last night. And the Lord said, you haven't stepped out in faith in a very long time. Russell's in town. I want you to write him a check for five figures. And he hands me a check that meets every need that we have. Ministry, personal, in abundance. Completely met, completely settled, and he's the God of El Shaddai. Now, I asked the Lord, what provoked that? What provoked that? Because I sow all the time. I literally, this is not some preacherism. I understand that I get up every morning and I don't have an employer except for God. I don't have any big company paying me a paycheck. I have no promise of a paycheck on Friday or a paycheck on the first of the month. I've lived this way since I was 19 years old. I live truly by faith. That doesn't mean I don't pay my bills living by faith like some people. I mean, I handle everything, but I live by faith. And I say, God, I have, and I tell God this all the time. God, I have so much seed in the ground. I know that you're bringing hundreds of millions of dollars into our ministry. That's been prophesied all over the world. I know that we will, my brother back there, command hundreds of millions of dollars. 
I have so much seed in the ground. How can I not? But I asked the Lord, what provoked that five-figure offering for someone to drive all the way to Galveston to bring me on a Thursday morning with burning eyes and sunny nose and cold head? The Lord said, that homeless person that I told you to go minister to, that you gave all the cash you had to, that's what provoked that response. So I came to challenge you, Grace and Truth Church. He's the God of El Shaddai. Hopefully we're still ministering on those lines today. We'll see. Hopefully we're still ministering on those lines today. He's the God of El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. But do you know that hundreds of millions of Christians claim that every single day, but they don't live in the fullness of it? Because there's a response of faith to enter into everything that God has and everything that God is. And I came to provoke you, Grace and Truth Church, that everything you need to provoke your next level is already in your hand. But will you hear the Lord and will you be obedient? Now, I think I've had one conversation with Pastor Will over the years about the finances of the church. But I'm in covenant with this house. See, I came to strengthen his hands in God. And I'm going to be here in March. I'm going to be here more this year. I mean, the Lord told me I have an assignment in 2023 to strengthen Pastor Will's hands in God, which means anything he needs. But I'm physically going to be here. And so anytime I'm physically somewhere and I enter into a relationship, the Lord talks to me because that's my ministry office. So I want to just take a couple of minutes and I want to, again, provoke you for something that the Lord will not let me back off of. You are most like God when you are giving. Is that true? I'm not trying to raise an offering. I want you to listen to the word of the Lord. God has big plans for you. And every single plan has a financial cost associated with it. Is that true? The Lord told me a long time ago, you can help anyone find their purpose by asking them one question. Literally, Jehovah God told me I could help anyone narrow down their purpose in life by asking them one question. If money were no object, what would you do? If you never had to worry about another check, how would you spend your time? The will of God is on the inside of every single person that's truly His. But if you're going to enter in into everything that God has for you, you're going to have to come in line with what He says about how you live financially in this kingdom. People don't like this kind of talk. Believe me, people don't like this. I pastored for 20 years. You can talk about anything you want to. Talk about their money or their sex life if they're married. And you will make people mad so quick. But nothing will affect someone's quality of life more than the things that people think you're meddling about. So I'm going to answer to God. And I want to provoke you. God has revelation for you. From His Word, the Logos, and from His Spirit, the rhema. Right now, words. How are you to live financially? 
See, I said that and it like bounces off the back. I don't care if you're going to get where you're going in God. It's not enough to say, God, everything belongs to you. Everyone says that. Lord, I don't know anything. I'm just a steward. Until, you, until God says something to do with your stuff. Then you find out who's the owner. Okay? So listen. If you want to into the, if you're going to enter into the fullness of what God has for you, grace and truth, and that's the heart of God, you're going to have to be a tither and a giver. There's no one that can walk in the blessing of God without being in covenant with Him. And so, as the Lord challenged me this week, for you, what could you be in me if you would simply believe me? It made no place for fear and no place for small thinking. Your finances are part of that. Can I get an amen? Amen. If you'll ask the Holy Ghost this week, I promise you he's speaking about these things. I don't know anybody's situation. I am 100% by revelation of the Spirit of God trying to pull you into the promise. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He told me that once. You know what I do all around the world? I pull people toward my promise. I pull people toward my promise. The Holy Ghost is speaking even this morning. I have no idea what Pastor Will's going to preach on, but I promise you it will all be thread together and be awesome. This last week, a friend of mine called and he said, listen, we're going to be in the Houston area and we heard you're in town. We want to buy you dinner. And I said, great, I love to eat. I'm coming off the fast, Texas food, whoops, Florida food, all day long. And he said, well, what are you hungry for? And I said, I will literally eat anything from, from sushi to steak to Mexican to barbecue. I mean, anything. We'll go anywhere. So he, he came and got me. It was me and him and four other people. And we went to this restaurant called Cut and Catch. And they order again, I'm not eating a ton. You wouldn't know from the size of me, but you know, your stomach shrinks when you fast. So I'm not eating a ton, but I'm getting there. You saw me put away the barbecue last week. I'm getting there. They ordered a tomahawk steak with lobster for, for the table. And you know, I'm nosy. So I kind of, as the bill came, I kind of just looked. It was $800 for dinner. Now, I mean, again, if you think that's a bunch of money, then it'll be a bunch of money. If it's just stuff, then it'll just be stuff. I just mentioned that because as I was walking out to my car, you know what my thought was? I don't think that was worth $800. Sorry, cut and catch. I don't think that was worth $800. But you know what will be worth $800? is the choice meal that Pastor Will Brockler is going to serve Sunday morning at Grace and Truth Church. God is my witness. That was my thought as I was getting in my car. That was supposed to be a fine meal, a five-star meal. No, I'm looking forward to the five-star meal Sunday morning at Grace and Truth Church. Hallelujah. Glory. I so believe in this church. I so believe in your pastor. I'm so convinced that this is so far below what God wants for this house. I looked out at this rented building. I know it's been a blessing. It has served its purpose. I am convinced that we're supposed to be somewhere else like today 
or next Sunday or when I come back in March, we'll be dedicating the new place. I mean, I'm drunk with that. I can't get away from it. And as I was driving in, pulling into the parking lot, the Lord said, this morning, Russell, so $1,000 into the expenses of the move. So I'm going to write a check or online or however you guys do it. I'm going to sow into the next thing. It's so real to me. My ministry's going into a new thing. We're going to a new level. My beloved pastor here, he's in a new thing, going to a new level, and I'm going to sow into it. Amen. In Jesus' name. So let's stand together. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for the amazing plan that you have for this church. Lord, I call in everything needed. Lord, I serve as the prophet of this house for this season. Father, I call in everything that's needed in Jesus' name. Put your hands together as we welcome one of the greatest five-star men of God in Houston, Texas, Pastor Will Brocker. blessing to be able to share him with you finally. We talked last week about Jesus, how he said in John 10, 10, that he came that we could have life, an abundant life. And we talked about that abundant life. I mean, that's pretty specific. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. To the full. Amen? Amen. 
He said it. That settles it. Amen. It should. Third John 2, he said, Beloved, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. People say, well, if it's God's will that I prosper and be healthy, then why did he just do it? Everybody heard that before somewhere? He sees your need. Actually, he saw your need before you ever had a need. And he fulfilled it. He met all of your needs at Calvary. Amen. Yes. Amen or oh me? Amen. The grace of Jesus Christ through his atoning sacrifice and his shed blood that he's placed on the mercy seat of heaven on your behalf has given you Everything that you need for life, that's this life, and godliness. Amen. I like that the Bible says that. That, uh, that messes people up to say, I'm only human. <laughs> no, gave you everything you need for godliness in this life. And all the provision and protection and everything else you need for this life. That's right. We saw last week that the blessing of Abraham has come upon us not only us but the Jews and Gentiles all who have received Jesus Christ by faith isn't that right? Yes. do I have to go back and read it all to you again? <laughs> if you want to study about the blessing of Abraham you can take a, a beautiful adventure through the Old Testament in Genesis like we did last week a little bit we barely touched on it some you can look in Galatians chapter 3, you can look in, um, and, and also uh, 14 and, and uh, Romans 4 and um, Hebrews 11. I encourage you to do that because you need to know what that all entails because you're part of it. You're, you're blessed with Abraham by faith in Jesus. Amen. 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 Not by our good works either. That's right. It's not by our good works. In Romans chapter 4, he talks about that. I love how Paul talks about how, how Abraham was blessed. He was blessed by, he believed God and his faith was counted to him as righteousness before he was circumcised and after he was circumcised. You know what that's doing? That's including everyone, the Jews and the Gentiles, in that covenant of faith. Oh, my God. Jesus came to make us all one in him. We met God last week through the scriptures. In other words, we, he revealed himself to us by a couple of new names. Almighty God, El Shaddai. I was waiting for y'all to do that song for us, so I know you planned on it. But that would have freaked him out. He might not have been able to handle it. He told me yesterday they were going to do that. The God of more than enough, the, the full-breasted one, huh? The God of all sufficiency. We saw him reveal himself in my another name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord Amen. our provider. Amen. Amen. Every name of God is not only who he is, but what he does for you. Amen. If you believe. 
But who is he to you? That's a question we all need to always be asking ourselves. Amen? Amen. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of this. Cough drop. <laughs> is he El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the God of more than enough? Is he Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider? Is he El Amen. Elyon, the Most High God, Adonai, Lord and Master? Huh? Is he Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah? Is he the God who saved? Is he Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner? Is he Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd? Is he Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals? Yes. yes. Is he Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there? Is he Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness? Is he Jehovah Mekodishkem, the Lord who sanctifies you? Is he El Olam, the everlasting God? Elohim, God himself. Is he Kana, a jealous God? He is jealous for you because he loves you. Amen. Amen. Is he Jehovah Shalom, your yes. Prince of Peace, the yes. Lord of Peace? Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of Hosts. Yes. We could go on, but you need to find out and make him the God of everything good to you. Amen. Amen. You're only going to find out your identity after you find out by revelation of the scriptures who God is. Yes. That's why when you read this, you look into the perfect mirror of the word of God. It's supposed to be reading you. And every time you come across something that you haven't quite arrived at, you go, oh, that's who I am. That's who Jesus is. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yes. I have all things in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. The kingdom of God has taken up residence in this earthen vessel. Amen. That leaves no room for sickness or disease or poverty or lack. Amen. I'm telling you, he wants you blessed. He wants you walking in victory and power and authority. Why? A couple of reasons. One, and, and he's entitled to this. He wants to show you off. He wants to display his amazing grace toward all of us, Amen. to all of the heavenly beings. Amen. Isn't that fair? Yeah. Next, he also wants you that, to bless that you will be equipped to be kingdom builders. Amen. The kingdom of God. We are part of something much larger than any of us, folks. Much bigger. He wants... Us to help him populate heaven and vacate hell. Amen. Huh? He wants us to create disciples and turn people's hearts back to him. God loves you. God loves people. And we, the church, are his hands and his feet and his voice in the earth. Amen. When he, when he said it's finished, he went home and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he turned over all authority in this earth to us. Huh? Didn't he sign the title deed and put it in these earthen vessels? Hello. Yes, amen. He got our authority back and gave it back to us, didn't he? Yes. Go over to 2 Corinthians for just a second. Easy to remember. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 9, 8. 8, 9, 9, 8. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Don't spiritualize this. Come on. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Now look over at 9.8. Actually go to 9.6 and I'll read off to it. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Everything in the kingdom is in seed form, isn't it? How many times have I said that standing behind this pulpit? If you don't understand the law of sowing and reaping, you're not going to understand anything about God or the kingdom of God or how it works. Everything that he has put in your care, whether it's strength, ability, talents, time, money, anything, is in seed form. Your words. Huh? I don't have to spend very much time with someone to find out what sort of seed they've been sowing in their garden of their heart. Because there's a harvest coming out of their mouth. I can tell if there's bitterness and unforgiveness and strife and jealousy and anger and resentment. Or, on God's side of things, I can tell if there's peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All the attributes and character of God that are yours, abiding fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Either one side or the other. Sow a little, you're going to get a little. You sow a lot, you're going to get a lot. And you're going to get what you sow, more than you sow, later than you sow. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a farming 101. Yeah. Works that way in the spiritual realm too. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What did I tell you about Malachi 3, how some preachers preach on that, and they should. Nothing wrong with it. God is challenging us to test him there and see if he won't pour out a blessing on you. Open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing bigger than you can carry. That's a good thing to know about if you're a Christian. But then they take it and say, you're robbing God. You're not giving your tithes and offerings. And if you don't do it, he's going to take it out in doctor bills. God's going to cause the transmission to fall out of your car. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I tell you why. Because under their circumstances, under that kind of teaching, you can give all you want. And if it's not from a cheerful heart, if it's not given out of love, it won't profit you anything. Amen. That's why I'm trying to get you into relationship with Jesus and to know how much he loves you because he's irresistible. And once he has you, he has everything. Amen. He's not after your money. He's after the seed that he needs to bless and return back to you in a hundredfold form. Amen. And that's just one of the things of areas of your life, isn't it? Yes. It goes for everything, your relationships, your health. And God is able to make, listen to this, in 8-9 and then 9-8. This is the one I was after. I want to show you that giving is a grace of God. It's an opportunity from God to you so that you understand it correctly, so that you can learn to participate and to cooperate with the spiritual laws that God has in place for your benefit. 
You know I love the number five. What's it stand for? Grace. Grace, okay. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. For God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Amen. Look at that. There's the grace of giving for you folks. John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's look over there quickly. I want to show you something. This was Jesus' first miracle when he embarked on his ministry. Reluctantly, it's almost like mama had to kick him out of the nest. He went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee, didn't he? And this is where he turned the water into wine. Everything he did. Remember what the first miracle that Moses did? He turned the water into blood, didn't he? Death. The law. Hmm? Jesus undid that curse. Turned it into something that represents joy and life. Celebration. He went to this wedding and... They ran out of wine, the third verse, and his mom came, Mary, and she says, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, see, in Texas, he would have got hit in the mouth with a house shoe right here for 20 feet. <laughs> Woman, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> but listen, she, didn't, she ignored him. She and he said, my hour's not yet come. And you know what his mom said? Okay, well then, that's all right, son. I still love you. No. Nope. No. She ignored him. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> so she was a Texas mom. <laughs> and I'll deal with you later. <laughs> he's laughing. Believe me, he's laughing. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the rights... Jewish rites of purification. These were, these, these were so big of jars that you had to be able to submerge yourself in them. They were for purifying in water. Yeah. And they took those six jars, and long story short, he, turned, he had them fill them up with water, and then he turned them into wine, right? I mean, Tommy, we're talking, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say, hey, Judas, I know we've been at this party for a couple days, so I doubt anything's left in the money bag since you're holding it, but if you got some cash, go buy a couple of bottles of wine. No, he didn't. He took and gave them about 120, 180 gallons of wine. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't just regular run-of-the-mill wine. It was the good stuff. He freaked them out because there was like wedding people who handled these events, a big caterer, right? And he says, hey, man, what's going on here? The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. You get them drunk and then they don't care what they're drinking. But you kept the good wine until now. That was awesome. That was awesome. First miracle. You know, the best quality and abundance, he, th these are no problem for God. Amen. This is his nature. 
He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He was showing himself as Jehovah Jireh right here. The very first thing he did to embark on his three and a half year mission. His life's work. Listen, I just want to recommend always invite Jesus to your party. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get done getting drunk, neither does he, so don't get it wrong. One of those country singers made a song, I think me and Jesus get along just fine because he liked to drink some wine. You know, that's about as close to sacrilege as you can get. But, he is fun. And he does love you. And he loves life. And he loves, so invite him to your party. Invite him to your work. Invite him to your relationships. Invite him to Grace and Truth Church. <laughs> He's already welcome here, believe me. It's his church. Invite him to your finances. Invite him, please invite him into your children's lives. Some of you have children, they, they, they wandered away. They generally do at some point in their life. But the ones that I know who brought them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord like they were supposed to, I have no worries because now they got people praying for them, they're praying for them. And it's all going to be all right. Amen. 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 Jesus took the poverty and every aspect of the curse of Deuteronomy 28 on the cross for us, didn't he? Yes. Now he says, I'll bless whatever you put your hands to. So what are we waiting for? <laughs> it always gets better and better and better with Jesus. Yes. The enemy fights the message of provision and healing and your authority because he doesn't want the truth to be known. He doesn't want you to know how loved you are, how blessed you are, and how powerful you are in Christ. And that lying devil wants you living a life of defeat and lack. Amen. That is not of God. Amen. You know, poverty is part of the curse. God doesn't put poverty or divorce or sickness on anyone to teach them anything. That's a lie from hell. Yes, amen. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you don't have to think that Jesus is nice, but he's got to mean that. No, he said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. Haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10? 28, who, who was anointed with power and with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's his will. That's the Father's will. He's no respecter of persons. He did it for one. He'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go to, go to John chapter 6 real quick. John chapter 6. I, I used to enjoy sort of picking on disciples and all the people that do bad things and make mistakes in the Bible. I don't enjoy it like I used to. Because, first of all, these guys were all martyred. They got it right eventually. But thank God that he put down their mistakes. So it's good to learn from others' mistakes, you know. But every time I start to make fun of them, I, I start... Especially the more I grow in Christ and the older I get. I'm like the, like the ones who Jesus... Uh, told to cast the first stone those who are without sin. You know, the old guys walked away first. <laughs> but Philip was one of the disciples. And just to use Philip as an example, which is why it's written in this word, 
for your benefit. Philip had a lack mentality. You know that? You ever notice that in the word? Here he is. This is when Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and a few fish. And Jesus had compassion. Believe me, that compassion, you want to know what's missing in your love walk, in your, the gifts of the Spirit flowing in your life and things like that? Check, check, check. Do a, do a faith check and see how much compassion you have. I don't mean you get busy and step over a homeless person once in a while. I've heard of people doing that. I'm talking about when you get in the car, does he, does the, do you hear the Lord and go back and fix it? God talked about, Jesus talked about a, a, a man who, who had, a, he had a vineyard and he had two sons. And he told one of them, he said, go, go work in the vineyard. Okay, I will, but he didn't do it. And then he told the other one, he said, go. And he said, nah, not doing it. But then later on, he felt bad about it. He repented and he went and worked. He said, which one was right? <laughs> the one who got out of his car and went and ministered to the homeless person and gave him the last 50. See, God is a God of percentages. That's why the widow who gave the widow's money, she gave more than all the rich people were pouring large amounts into the offering plate that day. Because God is a God of percentages. When you pull the last 50 out of your pocket, I don't care how much you got in the bank, it's significant. <laughs> he said, Jesus said, he had all these people following him. 5,000 men. I don't know what, they never counted the women. Jesus did, though. He's the one who gave all the rights and privileges to the women. You know, the women really undergirded his ministry. Mary Magdalene's the first one he revealed himself to after he got up out of the grave. He loved women. So, women should all love Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we do. But he saw they were following him. He went up on the mountain. He sat there with the disciples. Anyway, he saw that the crowd was coming. And he said to Philip, he was dealing with something in Philip. When he, when he picks out a specific person, it's because he's dealing with something in that person. He said to Philip, this was, anyway, where do we buy bread so that these people can eat? <clears throat> Jesus ever asked you a question, it's not because he's needing you to help him understand, okay? He's, want, he's checking you, all right? He said, he said this to test him. There it is right there. For he himself knew what he would do. He already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing Philip. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't buy enough for each one of them to get just a little. Here's his lack mentality, huh? He had a lack mentality or an insufficient mentality, a carnal mentality. And you know what? It'll cripple you, people. It will. Some of us just think that way. Some of us were raised that way. Others have just learned that. The world uses it. The world pushes it, manipulates people, and controls people with it. Think of COVID. Think of the toilet paper scare. Think of the, you know, mask and the atmosphere and the polarizing. Why do these things just go away and then they pick up something new after a while? 
Do you know that God saw every need humankind would ever have before he ever put Adam and Eve in the garden? He already made provision for everything as long as we're here, even through our dumb mistakes. I believe we should take care of the world and take care of animals and all that. And we do. You know, when the 70s, there was trash everywhere when I was a kid. We just we used to make money just picking up glass bottles out of the ditches just to go and drag them by the wagon loads to the store because we could cash them in. Because right. everything, you just threw it out the window when I was a kid. You know now, and there was pollution everywhere. You remember the 70s? Indian crying by the stream, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now, you know, we buy polluted from, from countries that pollute terribly our resources when we can make this, the fuels here and, and it doesn't even, it, it comes out, the clean, air comes out cleaner than it was when it went in. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten so good at it. But, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's about fear, it's about control, and it's demonic. It is. Yes, it is. I still see these people riding around in their cars by themselves with their masks on. And I'm not making fun. I, feel, I pray for them. Lord, open their eyes. Help them to be free. Some people have found their identity in this nonsense. That's true. God's people should run from fear tactics. You know, where was I? <laughs> then, then Philip said it, it is not enough. And then, and then one of the disciples, Andrew, this was Peter's brother, he said to him, there is a boy here with five barley loaves. All right, finally, somebody looking at the provision, looking at the supply that they have, but he was only there for a second. Five barley loaves and two fish, but... What are they for so many? Then he slipped back off. It's like Peter walking on the water, and then he looked at the wind and the waves. He was almost there. Then he slipped back into the lake with his friend. And Jesus finally had enough. He said, just, just tell everybody to sit down. <laughs> Golly. God, Dad. Now, there was a lot of grass in that place. I'm, I'm still going to ask the Lord why, why. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. <laughs> Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks for what they had, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted, the God of abundance, the God of more than enough, huh? Amen. Was it he got of more than enough? Well, let's see. Until they had their fill. And then he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. I could preach right there. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments. 12 baskets from the leftovers of five little loaves and a couple of fish. 12 baskets of leftovers. You know, you notice in Mark uh, 8, and other places when Jesus fed the 4,000 less people with, with more fish, with seven loaves, there were less leftovers. You know that? There are only seven baskets left over. The greater the need, the greater the grace. Amen. That's good. I see that I remember in... Uh, that, that uh, 
Philip had that same mentality. Um, I'm trying to remember where it is in the Bible right now. But remember when, uh, remember when he said, uh, when, oh, it was in John 14 on the night of Jesus' betrayal when they was, he had so much to share with them and he was, he was telling them about the Father. And he said, just, he's the same one that said, just show us the Father and that'll be sufficient. You see, Jesus wasn't sufficient. Jesus' words wasn't sufficient. He said, you see me? You've seen the Father. Just show us the Father and that'll be, that'll be enough. You're not enough. Your word isn't enough. Folks, you never want to get to a place where Jesus and his word isn't enough. Amen. Get to the place where if he said it, that settles it. Amen. If he tells me to go walk through that brick wall, I'm just going to take off walking. An abundant mentality, an abundance mentality, I'm talking, get away from the lack mentality. You see how destructive that is, how that doesn't please God. We see that, right? But, but an abundance mentality is a spiritual mentality. I want you to see that. You say, because some people think, oh, I'll just take this vow of poverty and I'm just so holy. Nonsense. Amen. God, I've got enough. You've done enough. I don't need anything else. You know what that tells me? You've been taught wrong your whole life. Probably from the pulpit. Because you think it's all about you. And it's not about you. It's about you being blessed to be a blessing. If you thought that and knew that to be true because the, God, because the Word of God teaches that, then how could you ever say turn it off? Amen. All you should ever pray is, God, make me a good steward of yes. everything. Don't ever give me anything that takes me away from you. Make me usable. Yes. Amen. Make me a person that you can, if you can get it to me, you can get it through me. Amen. Give me vision. Help me to see. Put your desires in my heart that you might give me the desires of my heart. Because they're your desires. We're in lockstep according to Amos 3.3. 3. We can walk together now, Lord, because I'm agreed with you. He's not going to change his mind and agree with you. He's already perfect. Amen. But can you conceive the abundant blessing and provision of God for every area of your life? That's a, this serious question. Can you see it? I'm just be honest with you. This is a question I have been faced with daily now for some time. I used to see all sorts of things, wonderful things from God, visions and dreams and all sorts of wonderful forecasts. Prophecies have been spoken over me, I mean by the droves that have not come to pass yet. And I used to live every day in an eager anticipation and excitement about those things, knowing they're coming because they haven't come to pass. And I always say, don't ever let your memories be greater than your dreams. But I have found that I may have been slipping some myself. It happens. Life happens. But God is saying, you know what God is doing with all of us here? I mean, you, 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 look, you look at the end of this table, and I, Russell knows I have no, no 
desire to, to kiss up to him. Nor will he me. We honestly love each other and we believe in each other. But it's all about kingdom building. I was hoping he, I was glad when he told me that I was going to put him last today. And I think I still will because he's going to have a word for some of y'all. We're going to pray for you. Lord willing. But he, he texted me and messed up my whole schedule because he said, can I go first? I'm like, man. And I'm like, oh, cool. Cool. I can correct his message. I'll fix it. <laughs> Better than if I go first and then he has to fix mine. But he was spot on, you know. I mean, besides all the nice things he said, you know, totally unsolicited. But I receive it. Hey. Hey. He didn't give y'all a good hey today. Hey! <laughs> he ain't done yet. That's why I know he's not done. But see, <laughs> my heart, and I think you know this, but my heart is to help people to, to see, first of all, who you are in Christ and what you have to be helped so you can go and help others with that same help you received. And to, to see, though, the possibilities to... To, to conceive the word in your hearts, right? And we talk about the garden of our hearts all the time. You may see the possibilities. You may see the possibilities. God, God's able to, to heal and restore relationships and to provide and, and to give all the things that I need, but, but willing. You know, that, do you take the word, the promises, do you, do you actually give them time for that vision to be truly conceived in you, within you? You can, you can know what's been conceived in you by what you are seeing by the spirit. I don't want to do a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but you should still be doing your 30-day journaling. And by now, you should be seeing some things by the Spirit. God should be talking to you. And I know one thing that he's saying to you, but we'll have to get some testimonies about that. I know one thing. Russell knows one thing. And I've been there and done that. And every time I do what y'all are doing, he's told me the one thing. And it's like that's the first thing because that's fundamental. Anyway, <laughs> too many hints already. You you see something after the spirit. You know if it's been birthed in you, if it's if it's conceived in you, and you because you'll get a knowing that it's absolutely going to happen. You see Russell up here; he's totally convinced of the things he's telling you, and he that's real. That's not a put on, folks. When a woman finds out she's expecting a child, her whole life changes. She goes about her outward routine, but on the inside, she's already seeing the child, huh? And it's growing, and she's planning and dreaming and talking about the baby. A child has been conceived, and the child is coming, and plans have to be made. That's why I keep saying we need to start planning just like we are in a new place. 
Just like if you're believing for a, a new car, you know, well, go clean out that side of the garage. Where's your act? Well, there's got to be some, some, faith, some step of faith. Tabon always says faith has feet and lips. <laughs> Most of us understand that ungodly desires and lusts can be conceived in our hearts, right? And then they lead to sin and loss. That's what James said. He said in, in James 1.15, then when, when desire or lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when it's full grown, it brings forth death. So, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We see that. Yeah, see, we're always easy for us to, to see the bad stuff. But listen, if the desires of the flesh can be conceived, so can the desires of the Spirit, the desires of God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Right? Did you know that you can allow God's promises to be conceived in your heart? I mean, do you know that? Do you understand that every promise of God is a seed that can bring forth a harvest of blessing in your life? What we allow our hearts to meditate on will determine if the treasure is going to be good or if it's going to be bad. So what's being conceived in your heart? Ask yourself these things. Ask yourself these things all week. Talk to the Lord about them. Huh? Healing can be conceived. Believed. Received. <laughs> so can restoration and provision and protection. All the promises are seeds waiting to be planted in the soil of our hearts. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore, when you pray, whatever things you ask for, when you pray, believe that you have them, and then you will have them. Amen. People say, that seems so backwards. The kingdom of God is, is a backwards kingdom like that. When I see it, I believe it. God says, you'll never see it till you believe it. Amen. All we need is God's grace, folks. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. All the grace that we need came through the cross of Calvary. Amen. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. Grace is the only answer. And it's the only thing bigger than any problem or need that you have. There is grace for whatever you're going through, whatever you're believing for. You just have to believe it, conceive it, and receive it by faith. Faith is what Daddy Hagen used to say. Faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains those things provided by grace. And if it wasn't provided through the atonement of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, you're not going to get it by believing for it. Every time I go through... A tough challenge. God shows himself faithful and he always has in my life. Amen. Even when I wasn't. Amen. And I believe it's God's will to take care of me, to take care of you, to take care of this church, to take care of all of your family's needs. In Jesus' name, he's Amen. El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides the God of more than enough. He loves us and he'll never leave us, never forsake us. We don't need to make any fear-based decision because fear is the opposite of what? 
faith. And he said three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. faith. Huh? And who are the just? The justifies. I am. Are you? Just as if I'd never sinned because I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for my eternal destiny. Amen. Quantity and quality. No problem for Jesus. You saw that at the wedding, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he wants me blessed so I can be a blessing and prosper. He wants you blessed so you can be a blessing and prosper. And because he loves you, he wants you blessed too. Amen. God says, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. That's Hebrews 6, 14. So blessed is just being empowered to enjoy the goodness of God. Amen. Are you empowered to enjoy the goodness of God? Amen. You know that blesses him? To know and receive his blessings, that's what blesses him. He doesn't get blessed to see you in lack or with a lack mentality or sick or in strife or hurting. He gets blessed when you walking in victory. Well, I'm not done, but we never finish. We just stop and start again. Your minds can only absorb as much as your seats can endure. So I want to invite Russell back up if he wants to. And we would uh, love to, uh, buddy, to get on the strings and uh, to, uh, to let Russell prophesy over you, pray with you. We're here to, to just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do and let him close out his service how he wants to. And I'm going to turn it back over to the man of God. I want to get everything we can from him while we have him in our midst. All right, you brother. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just available for anything the Holy Ghost wants to say. I saw a couple things during the message, and I want to just try to step into those things. Brother, I don't need you to play. I appreciate it. It's okay. Just... I believe this is for someone here. It could be for a podcast. Let me just say this. I see a long-standing legal issue, and I keep seeing a letter uh, from a law firm. And it's something that's just gone dragging on and on and on, and it's just been going on for quite some time, and it just doesn't seem like there is an end to it. And, uh, and I see the Lord wanting to address that. Is there someone here that you're in some type of legal situation? Um, it's a letter that you like receive and it's an update about some type of legal situation. Um, maybe perhaps like a settlement or, or something like that. Is that for someone here? Is it you? Okay. I tell you by the word of the Lord. It's coming to an end. And it's coming in your favor. I don't know if you see it. It's coming in your favor. In the name of Jesus. It comes to an end. And it's settled in your favor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody loves that. So let's try this one. Everybody loves having a prophet until 
He has to deal with some stuff. But I'm going to deal with something here because I see this over and over. You know, just like during COVID, holy men don't take instructions from unholy governments and unholy men. And holy ministry shouldn't be at the mercy of unholy nonsense. And I know that's why God's going to bring us a better place. Hallelujah. So, Kenneth Copeland is one of the greatest men of God that's ever walked planet Earth. And he's very controversial. And I began to study his life and what made him able to do what hardly anyone else that's ever walked planet Earth has been able to do. And I, and I found where he said, I learned to pray at 32 years old. God strip out of me anything that causes me not to believe you. And stick, stick with me here. Something for you. While Pastor Will was speaking, I kept seeing Kenneth Copeland's face and remembering that story. What made Kenneth Copeland have one of the largest, most effective ministries the earth has ever known? One of the few ministries that's ever been a billion dollar ministry with a B. And he doesn't even draw a penny in salary. Everyone hates him because Inside Edition comes up and... You know, Sabbath jumps in his face about his jet. They don't know that he's given away 17 jets. The man that's won more people to Jesus than, than anyone that's ever walked the face of the earth was Reinhard Bonnke. And he went to heaven a few years ago. He won 59 million people to Jesus himself that actually signed a decision card. Kenneth Copeland paid for every single one of those. He put $66 million into Reinhardt's ministry and said, the Lord told me to give you a dollar for every soul you're going to win years ago. So no one can talk smack about Kenneth Copeland and be okay with me. I, I, I'll, I'll rebuke you faster than you say anything. So the Lord's showing me Kenneth Copeland as I'm sitting over here and I'm, I'm listening to this five-star Chateaubriand message from Pastor Will. But I'm seeing the face of Kenneth Copeland. And he's saying, I learned to receive everything from the word. I can take the word at face value, of course. But I learned that I had to ask God, strip from me anything inside of me that keeps me from believing you. And there are things here today, grace and truth, that keep you from actually believing what the word says. There are things in you going on in your heart that keep you from receiving and becoming everything that the word says. And I said, you love me until I talk like this. But this is the Lord. I saw a high school letter jacket. And there are people, there's at least one person here that you, the thing that keeps you from believing God is something that you entered into when you were in high school and it's never left your life. And it undermines what God wants for your life. And this morning, this thing could be gone. And I minister differently. I'm not afraid of embarrassing anybody, but I would never embarrass anybody on purpose. But in this building... There is someone here that everything you want to be in God is being undermined by something that you entered into in high school and it's never left your life. And it's like a weed that is growing that chokes out the seed of the word. 
And I hear the Lord saying this. Alcohol is not your friend. Alcohol is not your friend. And for and this is a message for someone here because I can feel you standing next to me. And I'm going to look back here so you won't think I'm talking about you. I don't want to know who I'm talking to. Listen to me. The Lord says there is an undermining influence in your life. Alcohol is not your friend. Go ask Brian Houston, who's the founder of Hillsong, who just lost the ministry he built 50 years building. And he stood up in front of his church and he said, I've... They tried to make alcohol my friend, and it's now stolen everything that God ever gave me. You say, why are you mentioning that? Because I can see his face in the spirit. And it's having the same undermining influence on someone here in this beautiful church. So I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm telling you something. I'll say anything God says. I love to say all the good things. But a good father will not sit back and watch his children be destroyed. Watch them have all their potential stolen from them by things that they entered into when they were in high school and they let it get as a root in their life and it's still there today. If you really want this thing gone, you would not leave those doors until you come and have a conversation with me. If you really wanted it gone, you'd just stand up right now and be set free. But if you're just not there, the devil works by pride, his number one tool. If you're just not there, you can have a private conversation with me. This thing can be broken today on the 5th of February. Now, am I all up in your business? No. That's what the Lord says. Hallelujah. So I want to pray for you. Not what I thought I was coming up here to do. Anything that's in us. Father. Anything that's in us that would keep us from believing you. Lord, that root of that thing that it comes by fear. It comes by small thinking. It comes by always playing it so stinking safe. Father, rip that from us today in Jesus' name. And I'm an address church and I'm a grace preacher. But you listen to these words. If there's anything in your life that you don't have control over, that's not a demonic root and needs to be dealt with. The Bible says, to whomever you yield yourself as a servant to obey, his servant you are. You are not created to serve or be subjected to anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you don't have to leave those doors bound by anything. You hear me, Grace and Truth? I know I sound angry. I'm not. I love you. The Father is for you. He wants you to be free. He wants you to run. He wants this to be the greatest year you've ever known on planet Earth. But somebody's got to leave some things that you've been dragging since you wore a high school letter jacket. Hallelujah. Father, is there anything else you want me to say? I will. I mean, I'll minister to anybody. I'll do anything. I don't have anything else to minister. I don't know. I, I, I don't mean, I never like to eat the end of service on a heavy. Listen to me. 
The Father is for you. It is time to deal with some things and be free and live free. You can listen to the word until you're blue in the face. If you've got weeds choking out the seed, they'll never grow. It takes the word and the spirit together. The word and the spirit, they agree. Amen. Amen. All right. Grace and truth, I love you. I will see you again in four weeks. I'll be here again just to serve the man of God. Not how I thought we'd end the service, Pastor Will. I love you very much. This is my brother here. You had the beard. Right? It's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to encourage you. When I was here on the first day of January and I pulled into the parking lot, I saw a knife and I saw a trimming excess. And I hear the Lord saying, He's well pleased. With whatever your response has been, the Lord is well pleased. And I'm not going to leave on a heavy. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to break my own rule. You know what God is always saying when you go to listen to His voice? Hey, those of you that have been trying to really press in and grow in your confidence to hear God, what God always says, people all over the world, they come and say, I keep hearing this and I know it sounds so silly, it sounds so elementary, but I keep hearing this. Is this God? The first thing God always says is, I love you. I love you. I love you. And so if you've been writing down, you've been hearing the Lord saying, I love you. Yes, you're hearing the voice of God. Now, ask Him about anything you want to. And on that same frequency comes the word of the Lord for your life and your situation. Hey, isn't that good? All right. I love you, grace and truth. Hallelujah. Awesome. Well, you feel loved today? Yes. You know God loves you? Yes. How many of you... How many of you? I'm just. Over, I'm curious now. How many of you have been doing your journaling, and, you, and that's something you've heard God say to you? Yeah, yeah. But it's the first thing He retold me, and I, I told Russell that. He, well, He was telling me at the same time that it's usually that's what He always hears. Last week when we were having some barbecue. But anyway, I was I was curious to to hear that from you guys. I've been waiting for some testimonies, and I guess when it's over, you guys can all step up and tell the wonderful things God's been doing. But we love you. God bless you. Uh, 